Welcome to Whores Talk Whore. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. I'm Melinda. And today we are going to be talking about the catacombs in Paris. Mindy's a big fan of the movie As Above, So Below. As some of you know who've seen it, it takes place in the catacombs of Paris. If you haven't seen it, guess what? It takes place in the catacombs of Paris. (laughs) It is actually the only film ever that got the French government's permission to actually film in the catacombs themselves. More on that to come. I actually made a short video when I was in the catacombs. Don't tell the French government that. (laughs) Fuck. I just did. Because I know they're huge fans of the show. Everybody listening, don't repeat that to the French government. Oh, and by the way, yes, the reason we're talking about the catacombs is because I just went to go visit them the week of Halloween. I found them to be fascinating and wanted to do a little more research and discuss that with you all. I'm going to talk a little bit about what the catacombs are, how they came to be, and uh, some unusual, weird, and possibly disturbing facts that you may not know about the catacombs. Nice. So uh, this information all comes from Wikipedia, an article by Jacob Hill from listverse.com, the official Catacombs of Paris website, and also an article on ancient origins.net by Dwadi. I believe that is their name. It's just D-H-W-T-Y. I apologize if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. There was no last name. It could be their like username or handle. Yeah, I have no idea. But um, yeah, that's where the information comes from. And then also some things that I discovered from being there. I did the audio tour while I was there. But yeah, I did shoot a couple short little videos while I was down there. Stop saying that. (laughs) And I I will post one of those videos on our Instagram page so you can can see it there. And then we'd like you all to put together a collection for bail money when... uh, No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sorry. I want to hear about the catacombs, so I'll stop cracking wise. So the catacombs in Paris are underground ossuaries that house the remains of over 6 million dead Parisians. An ossuary is a chest, box, building, well, or site made to serve as the final resting place of human skeletal remains. They are frequently used where burial space is scarce. A body is first buried in a temporary grave. Then after some years, the skeletal remains are removed and placed in an ossuary. The greatly reduced space taken up by an ossuary means that it is possible to store the remains of many more people in a single tomb than if the original coffins were left as is. Ossuaries can be found all over the world. They're not unique to Paris or to France, but the catacombs in Paris are the largest underground ossuary in the world. So, how did the catacombs in Paris come to be? Well, originally, their origins were limestone quarries situated on the outskirts of the cities. They took the limestone that they dug out in these limestone mines and used it to provide construction material for the city's buildings and contributed to Paris's growth and expansion. And it was only during the second half of the 18th century that the former limestone mines, now under the city as 
you know, these mines expanded over centuries were transformed into burial places. So basically a little bit from what I learned on the tour was they kept digging all the limestone out of these mines and taking all the limestone to make the buildings above the streets of Paris. Eventually parts of Paris just started to collapse because there wasn't enough support underground to hold up all these buildings because they kept taking (laughs) what they were making the buildings with out from under the city. So that obviously created a little bit of a problem having parts of the city collapse in on itself. So basically they had to start um, building support structures Mm. to now um, hold up all these mines where they were, you know, taking the limestone from um, so that the city would stop collapsing in on itself. So that was the first problem. The second problem that was going on was by the 18th century, Parisian cemeteries such as Les Innocents, the largest cemetery in Paris, were becoming overpopulated, giving rise to improper burials, open graves, and unearthed corpses. And actually calling the cemeteries overpopulated is probably an understatement because after one unusually long period of rain uh one spring it actually caused one of the walls around uh Les Innocents cemetery to collapse and the bodies buried there literally began overflowing out onto the ground spilling rotting corpses into neighborhoods into people's basements oh my god uh yeah, I'm I'm kind of picturing the scene from Poltergeist. I was just thinking of the same. Oh my, and they use real corpses for that too. So yeah, uh, yeah. So quite naturally, dude. the people that lived close to these cemeteries began complaining about the strong stench of decomposing flesh and dead grandma in the basement. Uh, yeah, dead grandmas. You know, because there was lots of people. I think just you know spilling over into their houses. Obviously, um, dead bodies can spread disease as well and you know diseases started spreading so the french authorities were like we need to fucking do something about this Mm -hmm. so during the 1780s people started exhuming bodies from all the old cemeteries around paris and burying them in what we now know as the catacombs and when the bones of the dead were first being taken down to the tunnels via carts in the 1780s they were just kind of like dumped into the tunnels. A priest would come. They would say a prayer to keep the dead people at peace. And then eventually the workers began arranging the bones into different shapes and decorations such as hearts and circles, um, which I did see some of those and took pictures of them. Uh, I believe some of those pictures are on our Instagram page and other social media pages. And they also line the walls with skulls and other ghastly remains. And one of the most iconic displays is the barrel, which is a large circular pillar surrounded by skulls and tibiae, which are the tibia bones um, in the legs. This pillar of bones also acts as a support for the roof of that area, in which it's housed, which is referred to as the Crypt of the Passion or the Tibia Rotunda. And so this I actually did take a picture of. This was actually really, really cool. Um, This is on Instagram for sure. It's 
kind of a multi-purpose. It's a support beam, but it's also kind of a morbid piece of art. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see in person. Basically, the catacombs were completed in 1860, and seven years later, they were open to the public because people wanted to go down there <laughs> and see the remains of all these bodies for some reason. And yeah, it's been open to the public ever since. To get down to the catacombs, you need to walk down a spiral staircase, which goes 20 meters below the city, which is the equivalent of a five-story building. I will say that walking down to the the catacombs, I got pretty dizzy. It, yeah. I definitely recommend if anyone goes to Paris, they go see the catacombs. But this is kind of, um, I'm going to give a little bit of uh, my personal feedback on it. Yeah. If you have any sort of knee problems, leg problems, hard time walking, there is no access to an elevator. You have to take the stairs yeah. um, down to the catacombs and you have to take them back up. And in wow. total, there are 243 steps. There's 131 steps to go down and 112 steps to climb back up. And so spiral staircases are a bitch. Yeah. Like we had a small one in the house I grew up in. And even that, like taking laundry up and down and it was nowhere near as big as this was like, what is happening? Yeah. So I'd have to go slow because I'd be like dizzy as. A yeah. I got dizzy AF. <laughs> I got pretty dizzy. So just keep that in mind. Also, when you're on the tour, you only walk through a very small portion of the underground tunnels that are there. It's about 1.5 kilometers, so just under a mile. Um, although it's estimated that there's actually around 320 kilometers or roughly about 190 miles of actual tunnels, and not all of them have been mapped. The rest of it's just kind of uncharted territory. And it's actually been illegal since 1955 to enter into other parts of the catacombs. But that does not stop people from going down to those other parts. And there's a group of people known as cataphiles that are urban explorers who love spending vast amounts of time within the depths of the catacombs for their own enjoyment and adventure. And even though this may sound like a modern day cult, they are deeply respectful of both the dead and the tunnels and create maps so that people don't get lost within the vast necropolis. And they're also a very tight knit group of people and they've been creating and building uh, their own community within the old quarries and tunnels for years. Some paint art down there, um, some furnish the rooms or they go down there and party with other tunnel dwellers and some visit to simply disconnect from the outside world. And it's been estimated that as many as 300 cataf cataphiles sorry, enter the catacombs each week via secret entrances. And some go down to look for the Philosopher's Stone, <laughs> which, again, more on that later. I think some of these people actually give their own like personal tours. They're trustworthy, and you can go down there. I think it would be kind of interesting to go to some of these like unmapped places in the catacombs. But if that ever happened, it would be cool. But it's not something I'm going to like seek out. I'm not going to try and infiltrate these groups of people and get them to take me down there if I ever go back to Paris. But it might be kind of fun. Here's some interesting facts now about the catacombs. The uh, cataphiles Actually, some of them use the catacombs as a kind of underground spa 
Apparently, there's secret unmapped pools of water which have become known among fellow cataphiles as impromptu swimming pools. But a lot of time to get to those areas, you have to wade through murky waters and crawl through claustrophobia-inducing tunnels before you find these secret underground oases. And I'm not sure I would necessarily want to go swimming in water located in a giant underground graveyard how about you right yeah i mean and i don't know what my weird obsession is with as above so below but they do actually show this happening in that movie where they are there's a few scenes where they oh yeah where they find water pools of water and yeah 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 yeah. and that water actually looked clean this is like making me appreciate that movie even more but we'll again we'll get to more of that in a second but like those people exist like papillon and whatever like from that movie like apparently yeah that, I don't know. there's a name for them i don't but i agree i don't know that i would want to have a spa day in water that's been soaking in dead bones for centuries yeah i don't know how close these pools of water are to the actual bones because there is it's um, still a cave though like <laughs> no that is true and actually before you when you first go down like the stairs to get into the catacombs you walk through a lot of tunnels that do not have any bones you're just you know going through going through going through and then finally you get to like the first ossuary where you know the bones are actually housed so a lot of these tunnels are not with the um remains of the dead but yeah as a germaphobe i'm not really big on soaking in pools of water that other people put their bodies in and especially not in like yeah a moldy old damp cave (laughs) exactly yeah i'm sure that's super healthy (laughs) so even weirder than that in 2004 police who were undertaking a training exercise in the catacombs and there is actually like a team of police officers whose job it is is to just police the catacombs to make sure people do not go down there but they were doing this training exercise in the catacombs and they stumbled upon something completely unexpected when they were exploring a secluded area of the vast tunnel system they discovered a giant cinema room fully equipped with a screen, other um, like projection equipment, a restaurant, and a bar, all facilitated what? by professionally installed phone and power lines. Spookier still was the fact that a secret camera was snapping photos of the officers as they passed into the entrance. That's kind of badass. It, it, yeah. I don't... I mean, you, you have to imagine the acoustics down there would be great for watching a movie. But also, like, the fact that these cataphiles like i'm assuming they set this kind of thing up so it's like kind of their own private surveillance system for yeah. cops like but but imagine the cops like finding this and then walking through and then being like guys we're on tv <laughs> in the catacombs below france and awesome. nobody knew who was responsible for this and there was a note left at the scene which read do not try and find us no problem i won't <laughs> So, yeah, I think that is really fascinating that people went through that much trouble to um, get all that stuff down there secretly and set up an underground theater slash restaurant slash bar. That's crazy. Yeah. What if they take credit cards? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if they if it was only for their personal use or if they charge people you know from the public to go down there that's crazy i don't know i would go to that club yeah i kind of want to go too (laughs) and the last 
interesting fact about the catacombs that I have is that farmers actually began using the catacombs of Paris to grow mushrooms. What? what? Not magic mushrooms either. <laughs> Just regular old mushrooms back in the 19th century when a Parisian named Monsieur Chambray ventured down into the tunnels and observed a patch of wild mushrooms growing within a chamber. He decided to use the abandoned tunnels to begin growing his own Champion de Paris, a.k.a. button mushrooms, sounds so much fancier in French, and it was a practice that was soon recognized and accepted by the Horticultural Society of Paris. Soon farmers from all around flocked down to begin farming their own mushrooms. So mushroom farming in the catacombs actually became a thriving business venture. And in fact, if you know where to look, you can probably find some farmers still down there growing mushrooms to their heart's content. It does make sense when you consider the darkness and humidity down there. And who knows, maybe some of the old bones lying around acted as some sort of a fertilizer for the mushrooms. Mm, Dead Parisian mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean... I like mushrooms, but I'm not sure if someone was like, oh, here, try these mushrooms. They were grown in the catacombs. It might pass on those. I just don't see how that could possibly not have some sort of toxin in it from like the just from the fact that it's a cave yeah. or from like anything that might have soaked gone into the soil, like from the dead bodies. Like it just does not seem healthy sanitary mm-hmm. or healthy. No, it does not. But I mean. The Horticultural Society of Paris approved it, so it has to be safe, right? Okay, sure. So my personal thoughts on the catacombs, if you go, pre-book your tickets online. Really? For sure. Because if you don't, you have to wait in a long line outside, and you can be standing in that line for two hours or more. Wow. So I definitely recommend paying a little bit more to pre-book your ticket online so that you don't have to stand in line for two hours wear comfortable shoes and go on the earlier side. Cause even though I pre-booked my ticket, I still probably waited 20 to 30 minutes before they let me in. That's not bad. No, it wasn't. No, it was definitely because the other line literally like wrapped around the building. Wow. I mean, it's popular. It's a very, very popular tourist attraction in Paris, but I definitely recommend checking it out. The audio tour, you know, I, d- I did skip a lot of it. I didn't listen to everything because I kind of just wanted to get to the bones. And I spent so much time yeah. just kind of studying all the skulls. And I mean, there's nothing stopping you from licking the skulls. I mean, there's they're right there. Not that I lick the skulls. I was going to say, there was the pictures Maybe you had where it had moss on them <laughs> and stuff. I was like, that's like hundreds of years old moss. Maybe don't lick that. Yeah, Minnie's looking at me weird. No, I'm saying if you wanted to, you could lick the skulls. Because they're, they're right there. I did not touch them. I did not lick them. Thank you for that. Um, but I did get really, really close just examining them because you just, they're all like a piece of artwork in their own way. You know, they're natural art. And I just think bones are fascinating. And I just loved uh, photographing them. It was really cool. And there was some parts where you go down in a group, but people kind of pace themselves. And there was times where I would find myself in a long, dark hallway of bones just by myself. And it was kind of 
overwhelming and mm-hmm. um felt a little claustrophobic mm-hmm. and since i watched as above so below like two days before i left to go to paris there was definitely like thoughts of that sure. movie going on in my head but i'm so glad that i went to go see it because i missed it the first time i was there so yeah i i would definitely go if i were you if you ever had the chance to see the catacombs in paris do it that's really cool because i'm not a religious person but i love religious iconography like i'm even right now wearing like a a religious symbol on my necklace and like whatever like i just dig that stuff and i think it's cool how like and some of your pictures showed this but like they made designs and like you said artwork out of these bones and like the like the crosses that they made out of skulls and like all that. Like I, I think it's a really interesting, really beautiful like it is really beautiful idea yeah. and and what it became like, yeah, it's cool. I'd love to go. I'd brave those that spiral staircase. I'd just go slow <laughs> so I wouldn't get dizzy. <laughs> and you would think that it would smell down there, but it didn't. That's good. I'm I'm sure that at this point the smell's probably long gone. Yeah, there's no flush left on any of the bones, so I guess there's no smell. But anyways, so now uh, Mindy has a little trivia about As Above, So Below. I have a friend who told me that she thinks that in a previous life, I must have been trapped or gone on some sort of underground adventure because I have this weird obsession with this movie and I don't really know why. Maybe you were one of those bodies buried in the catacombs in Paris. Or I was like Scarlet in the movie As Above So Below, but didn't make it out. I don't know. No, you look like a dead Parisian to me. Thank you. (laughs) Well, so thanks to IMDb, As Above So Below, it does not appear this way upon initially watching it, but it's basically Dante's Inferno. Like upon a lot of examination and a lot of internet research, but the fun stuff... Uh, at least I think it's fun. In terms of filming, the French government, this is the only production the French government actually gave permission to film in the catacombs. So what you see, everything that you see in the movie, actually it was filmed in probably the parts that you were talking about that were like the off tour areas. Um, in terms of fun facts from filming the movie, Ben Feldman, the actor who plays George, actually suffers from minor claustrophobia and he had to keep taking breaks throughout filming to cope with it because like dude just watching it I don't know that I could film that movie because I'd be like is there an easy exit somewhere yeah you do feel a bit claustrophobic down there even though it's the spaces are not super small yeah it's just also when you're listening to um, them talking about how the city was collapsing in on itself at one point. Which they do talk about in the movie, too, yeah. You kind of think, shit, is that ever going to happen again? Right. (laughs) Is it going to happen while I'm down here? Exactly, I know. (laughs) Um, Beneath the streets of Paris, and this is the part that cracked me up because you were talking about, like, people setting up a cinema down there or whatever. There's a scene in As Above, So Below where Scarlett finds, Scarlett and company find a piano Mm -hmm. underground. Mm -hmm. The film crew hauled down the piano and the car that gets set on fire later in the film. The piano was set as the one director, John and his co-writer Drew, used to jump off when they were kids. So it was like a replica of their old piano. 
Uh, they got a piano mover to put it into the catacombs and then also move it back out. So you're talking about going down that spiral staircase. Well, th- How the that's hell just one they- entrance. They didn't bring it into that part. But still, like getting a giant, getting a piano in general anywhere is a pain in the ass. But getting it into the catacombs and back out, let alone a flaming car. Yeah, I wonder if they had to bring it down piece by piece. I can't think of any secret opening to the catacombs that would be big enough to put a piano in. Or a car. Or a car. That's probably because you don't know the secret entrances. But I'm pretty sure that there is probably an entrance big enough for a car. And also, I think I saw there might be an elevator for the people who work there. And if there's like a medical emergency, they probably use that for people i mean maybe but also remember there's 300 miles of catacomb so they were literally filming in the areas that were like the off yeah where the elevator is for the employees is probably nowhere near where they were actually filming that's probably how they got the car down or something because i was like they they set a car on because there was a flaming car at some point in the movie and i was like wait that had to have been on a set nope that was in this area of the catacombs, That's which is kind crazy. of impressive. Yeah. One of the things that I love about this movie is that it's really interesting and also really silly and stupid. And one of the things, one of my favorite things about it is that when they go at the beginning of the film to the museum and find a hidden message written on the back of Flamel's stone, it's written in Arabic. And obviously Ben Feldman's character it, he's the only one who does speak that language. And of course, there's some sort of unspoken romantic angst between him and Scarlett. So she talks him into translating it. And he translates it into perfectly rhyming English. Uh, the poem on Flamel Stone shouldn't rhyme in English. Is no. all it says on IMDb, which I think is really funny. Spencer that- actually pointed out to you when we were watching it last week He's I like, love it mm, no but that's like one of the parts of it that I enjoy because it's so laughably funny and then they get down underground and it's like wait this movie's kind of awesome in Dante's Inferno in case you don't know uh there are nine circles of hell known as limbo lust gluttony greed anger heresy violence fraud and trickery and oddly enough each of these areas are represented throughout the movie Limbo, when the group enters the first tunnel, they see Latrop, who is believed to be dead for two years. Uh, he is, in fact, dead and stuck in limbo. Uh, this is proven by Latrop's inhuman speed to move through corridors. Also, later on, when the group goes underwater and emerges, they're soaking wet while Latrop is completely dry. In Dante's Inferno, the first cycle of hell is limbo. Limbo is where souls go when they've done no evil, but haven't done enough good to get into heaven. And Latrop was like a homeless guy or whatever. So that's interesting. The second stage of hell is lust, I guess. Um, when the group climbs down to the second floor, they end up in a corridor where the sound is muffled at first. Shortly after the sound, while still muffled, suddenly increases so loud that it hurts their ears. The sound can be compared to that of the tornado or a vortex in Dante's Inferno. Dante climbs down to lust, the second circle of hell, where a vortex spins forever swirling souls around for eternity. The sound is said to be deafening and worse than a storm at sea. So like none of this I caught the first time around watching this, but I just unless think it's you're like an expert on Dante's Inferno, which I have not read. So the uh, only thing that I and I could go on like there's like something that speaks to every single level, but the only one that I caught was when Papillon dies, which would be spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I think we're already past that. Uh, 
the statute of limitations for spoilers on this too because it's kind of an older movie but i think that that goes to nine which is treachery um, what did he do that was treacherous so the kid the, the car that was on fire mm-hmm. the kid that um scarlet sees at the beginning of the film in the catacombs while on the tour who tells her to find papillon because he can help her mm-hmm. she turns around and he's gone he's the kid in the car and so Papillon somehow I think the other guy explains a little bit more that we don't know exactly what happened but Papillon there was a car fire he was able to escape his friend was trapped inside the car and died so when they find the flaming car his friend is in there drags him into the car and then when it all evaporates all we see are his legs sticking out from the ground which is actually something that happens in Dante's Inferno is there's a portion where there's all like just the legs from like the knee up sticking out of the ground mm. that was like the only part that I was like holy shit that in the ending that I was like oh this is Dante's Inferno I just thought it was really cool that like for what I thought was going to be a hate watch movie because I thought it was going to be totally stupid I'm like wow this is actually like specifically really written based to wrote almost oh here is here's the note okay when papillon dies which is part of the ninth circle of hell treachery he betrays the man and himself by believing he had no part in the man's death because he keeps saying it was my fault it was my fault oddly enough papillon is punished exactly how virgil describes in the eighth circle of hell called fraud virgil states out of the mouth of each one there protruded the feet of the transgressor and the legs up to the calf the rest within remained. And that's how they find Papillon is it's just his legs sticking up hmm. at the end. At the end of Dante's Inferno, they have to crawl like backwards out of the devil's belly button to get out of hell after they've completely resigned themselves to whatever sins that they have committed and found redemption. And at the end of the film, the three remaining characters jump down this long tunnel after they've admitted to their crimes, whatever they might be. And as they're trying to get out, they notice that there is what appears to eventually be a sewer cover that only opens to the outside. And when they push it open, lo and behold, they enter backwards into downtown Paris. So they kind of escaped by crawling backwards from their perspective out into the real world. There's those little connections. I don't know. For me, I just really... There's something about when they get underground that I find super fascinating and super creepy. I would actually love to see a making of. So I bought the Blu-ray because I'm a dork, but also because I wanted that. And I figured, oh, they've got to have something on there, you know, like some behind the scenes. There's no special features on the Blu-ray at all. I've looked online And most revealing thing I could find was about the piano in the car. Hmm. I was like, how did they stage? There's a part where, like, you know, the roof collapses. Like, how did they do that? Like, if anybody has any more information on, like, an interview with both the directors or anything, please send us the link. Because, like, I really tried. That was what I was most interested in, too. And I could not find. And maybe that's on purpose. Maybe that's to keep the mystery behind it. But, like... Because they don't know how they did it. Like, that's badass. They probably don't want a bunch of people going down to the filming locations. And and that was actually one of the things that I did read is, like, some people think that, like, George is, like, sort of a, who's Ben Feldman's character. He's sort of a stand-in for Dante, in a way. 
they uh, where they mention that um, when Scarlett and George are in the clock tower at the beginning of the movie discussing her journey to find the rose key and the bell and the clock mechanism begin to move by themselves, this might signify the foreshadowing of George's own life as he resembles the life of Dante in the Inferno, who is forced off a road against his will, having to go through hell itself. Also note the encounter with the police officer near the entrance to the catacombs, which was an un official entrance or whatever. Uh, This may also symbolize the she-wolf in the Inferno forcing George to go into the catacombs when he insists that he will not. Hmm. So I could keep going for hours, quite frankly. I really like this movie and find it fascinating that if you look up all these other facts, there's like more to it. So I encourage folks to do that. Try not to write it off as just another stupid movie or do, but know that it's more interesting and I would love to visit the catacombs as Sharon did. Maybe when you go back next time, I'll go with you. No. (laughs) So you're going to let me face uh, the inferno myself is basically what you're saying. Hey, if I did it, you can do it. <laughs> no, I would love to go. Um, I think that'd be really fun. Hopefully I'll get to. And there's so many other things in Paris that I, I need to see that I can't like spend time doing something that I've already done. But we'll drop you off. <laughs> and be like, good luck with those stairs. Go face Dante's Infernal alone and we'll meet you at the cafe across the street for uh-huh. some wine. That's given I make it out. <laughs> You'll make it out. But that's, uh, I think, our little our little blurb on catacombs and my weird obsession with a movie that's about them. Yeah. So if you have any uh, more knowledge of if we can watch any of the behind the scenes making of yes. As Above, So Below, uh, send us those links. Otherwise, eh. Suck okay. it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Otherwise, just... Tell us any scary stories you might have. Or Ben Feldman, if you're listening, tell us what it was like to film in a completely claustrophobic area when you have claustrophobia. Because <laughs> I'm sure he's listening to this right now. Totally. All right. And as always, send us your scary stories, ghost stories, escape stories. Yes. If an intruder well, ever broke into your house in the middle of the night and you had to fight him off. Um, you get stuck in the catacombs you need to get out quick what do you do where do you find the entrances that the staff uses if you're a cataphile and you know you want to tell us a little bit about what that's like please send us your stories we would love to hear about that um why you go down there what you do when you're down there and that is about it and as always thanks thanks for for getting getting creepy creepy with us. us